During the PlayStation Vita's five years or so of active game releases, most of the titles I remember playing on it were not games that really needed the Vita's exclusive hardware to be played. It was a decently powerful machine that played indie games on the go, it was host to some great traditional JRPG ports, and its selection of modern visual novels was superb. Don't get me wrong, games like Tearaway really made creative use of the device's touchscreens, but games that made use of the system's unique hardware as more than additional button inputs were pretty slim. I owned a Vita, and I loved owning a Vita. I may not have loved its expensive proprietary memory cards, or the lack of first-party original software released for it over time, but there was a lot to love about PlayStation's ambitious little handheld. In particular, one thing I don't think the Vita gets nearly enough credit for is basically laying out the blueprint that the Nintendo Switch later rode to success. Picture the scene. It's late 2014, and on the way home from a gaming convention, I was playing through Danganronpa 2 for the first time. There's a bunch of kids trapped on an island, they have to solve murders to survive, and I'm busily adventuring away on my train home. The Vita was a really lovely handheld to use on the road, with a nice, big, bright, vibrant screen and, and most of the buttons that were present on a modern gaming controller. The next morning, once home, I wanted to enjoy the game on the big screen with a more comfortable controller, so I fired up the PlayStation TV, popped in my game cartridge, and kept playing my handheld game on the telly. Now, I get that the Vita's approach to handheld gaming on the TV lacked the out-of-the-box simplicity of the Nintendo Switch. Having the ability to place your handheld in a cradle, detach its sides, and continue playing on your TV instantly is a uniquely Nintendo concept, and they deserve credit for making that successful. But at its core, there is very little difference between how I play my Switch today and how I used to play my Vita in the later years of its lifespan. Sure, Sony sold us a secondary box years after the fact that needed its own controllers to work. Sure, it required physically moving your saves and software back and forth in a method that's a little less instant than popping your handheld into a dock. But at its core, Sony's vision for the Vita and Vita TV as a portable that you could come home and play on your TV was very similar to the successful idea behind the Switch. The Vita was a high-powered gaming handheld for the time looking to ride the line between offering unique first-party software and the promise of easy console ports by third-party developers, which could be played on the go or, optionally at home, on the Vita TV. I don't think the idea for the Vita is inherently worse than the idea for the Switch, I just think the idea was a little ahead of its time and not really able to be executed on in the way it needed to be. For all of Sony's promises at the Vita's launch that it would be capable of handling modern-generation console ports with ease, ports of big-budget HD games, developers in practice struggled to make a lot of promised games run on the system without major sacrifices to performance. The system was undoubtedly powerful compared to the 3DS, but it wasn't quite over the hurdle where contemporary games could be released for it, without having to list a bunch of cut features and sacrifices made. If we look at the Nintendo Switch today, it's not on the cutting edge of what portable gaming could be providing, but five years have passed between its release and that of the Vita, and those five years made a big difference to what level of gaming hardware was affordable. The Switch certainly isn't running every current generation game port on release day. Lots of games we see on the PS4 and Xbox One skip the Switch entirely, and I'm sure with next generation consoles coming this year that's only going to increase as a situation. And ports do sometimes come delayed or paired back, but 
that's far less of a common occurrence than it was with the Vita. The Switch runs competent ports of The Witcher 3, Alien Isolation, Hellblade, Doom, L.A. Noire, Dragon Quest XI, and more without any major sacrifices. I honestly believe, had Sony released a high-powered gaming handheld five years later than the Vita, it would have, much like the Switch, been able to handle a decent number of ports of modern-day games the way that Sony promised the Vita would. The Vita's level of graphical performance sat in a weird spot between the 3DS and modern HD home consoles. Games couldn't easily be ported down from consoles to run on the Sony handheld, but making a new unique game for the system was more costly than making a game for the less powerful 3DS. The 3DS was the place to develop games that didn't need HD visuals. The PS3, Xbox 360, and the next generation consoles that proceeded them were pushing the limits of what they could display, and developing games specifically to run on the Vita was an odd prospect. One of the Vita's biggest selling points was being powerful enough that it would see decent amounts of third-party support, something that it always struggled with. Again, I love the Vita immensely, and I'm grateful that there was a gaming handheld at the time with that level of processing power. Much like today, I excitedly hope for Switch ports of indie games I see announced. For many years, the Vita became my place of choice to play indie games, visual novels, and JRPGs. The Vita and Vita TV was a great idea, just one the technology wasn't really there to capitalise on. Sony, thank you for creating a concept that I now can't imagine my Nintendo gaming without.